You're listening to Destination Animation, the show where we sit down with people who have chosen to make their professional work destination animation. I am your host, Hannah Howell from KPC Radio, welcoming all listeners who are interested in learning more about the animation industry and the great amount of work that goes on behind our favorite cartoons. For today's episode, we have an executive producer at Cartoon Network who has served as a writer, storyboard artist, and director. He's worked on shows such as OKKO and Regular Show and is the creator of AJ's Infinite Summer. Please welcome Toby Jones. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And before we begin, I, I know that you do Oreo reviews on your Instagram. Yes, I do. So I want to know, what is the best Oreo flavor? There are a couple of really good ones. Uh, I would say a personal favorite of mine is the Reese's one, uh, which of course is a dearly departed flavor long gone by now. Uh, and also I do really like the, um, the maple, the maple one as well. Um, most of the best ones are not on the day-to-day, uh, the day-to-day offerings. They're all mostly limited, but -hmm. if you're looking for the best one that you can get any, anytime, anywhere, uh, that remain in circulation and are not limited edition, I would say the pistachio thins or the dark chocolate, but also you can't go wrong with the classic. That's the the basic one still does the job. You can never go wrong. I agree. And so how did you get involved in professional animation? Um, well, I mean, I've always been a obsessive animation uh, fan uh, ever since I was a kid. I've, I've always loved cartoons and I uh, always had an unusual love of cartoons, I would say. And so as I was growing up, I always made movies. I made little cartoons with like cutouts where I would do flipbooks, stuff like that. I used Microsoft 3D Movie Maker. Uh, to make cartoons at home, and I would do whatever I could to just, just to kind of replicate what I was seeing and, and make make stuff of my own. And I also made comics and like live action movies. So I had like a um, uh, I had like a local access show I did with my friends. Uh, we did every weekend, and then also like I made short films. And I my friends and I actually made a feature film in high school uh, starring the AJ character, uh, who's my friend AJ. Uh, and so. I was just always someone who wanted to make stuff, tried to make stuff kind of by any means necessary. And um, when it came time to college, I went to art school and I ended up getting a major in film. Uh, uh, And then I took a lot of comics classes, but I didn't end up taking a lot of animation classes actually, because I didn't have like a full understanding of like what all the jobs were in animation. And I was having trouble seeing kind of where I could fit in and where my skill set could fit in. And I was, and I was like, oh, I, I definitely want to learn to to do all this stuff. But I was kind of looking at what I would make in a semester, and I was kind of seeing that a lot of the animation students would work really, 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 really unbelievably hard, uh, and then make you know a very short animated little thing. And I was like, ah, I really want to tell kind of a bigger, longer story, and so I opted to kind of focus on film uh, so that I could make something a little bit more, uh, a little bit longer and more in depth. Um, and so I kind of just thought there maybe was no place for me in animation. I was like, oh, I guess I'll try to make movies or write scripts or com- or, and do comics and stuff like that and kind of see how it goes. So I graduated with a degree in, in film. And uh, of course, with a degree in film in 2009, what that really meant was no jobs, nothing to do. I was in Minneapolis and I just, nothing happening. I was working at a movie theater and a bakery. And even those jobs were really hard to get uh, at that time. So I was just struggling and uh, making stuff on the side. I was making short films, I was making comics, making zines, just kind of doing what I can uh, to, to kind of feel like I'm still making stuff. And then around that time is when 
uh, so it'd been a couple of years since I'd graduated and I was just floundering. And uh, that was around the time that Adventure Time and Regular Show came out. Um, and I, I loved these shows. I was like, I couldn't believe how great they were. They're my favorite thing on TV. I, I, I made my girlfriend record them on VHS, like when I was working and stuff. And, um, and uh, I, I would like read the blogs of the people who worked on the shows and just be like, man, well, what if, you know, what if one day, you know, that I can't even imagine how could I, you know, oh man, it was like this dream. Uh, and then I discovered thanks to uh, Rebecca Sugar's like posts at the time that there was this job that was the writer and the storyboard artist. Uh, you know, I didn't even know that these shows were board driven or what that even meant, that these were shows that, you know, you get assigned the board and that means that you write the dialogue and you draw the storyboard. And I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know, my skill set as like a writer and comic artist kind of a, kind of could work with this maybe. And so, and I noticed that like on a regular show, they were starting to hire like uh, indie comics people. So I was like, oh, maybe there's like something there. And then right around that time, JG Quintel just did a tweet where he was like, hey, we're looking for board artists on regular show. And I was like, what do I have to lose? So I, <laughs> I, I found him on Facebook and I sent him this message with like a bunch of my comics and a bunch of my films. And I was like, hey, I love the show. Uh, I, I'd love to, you know, here's, this is me. And then he sent me a board test. And, you know, against all odds, I, with no animation experience, got hired on as a writer and board artist on regular show at that time, uh, which was crazy. It was just because, you know, he liked my, he liked my test. He liked my sense of humor. He liked my comics. And it just happened that um, even though I had no experience, it was incredibly green. Uh, he saw that uh, I had a voice. He saw that he liked my, my style and he liked kind of um, my sensibility and he felt that it matched well with the show. And so he kind of took that, took on that risk of bringing me on and training me on on the job when it comes to all of the ups and downs and ins and outs of actually writing and storyboarding for television. So that, that's how I ended up in the industry. That's amazing how you got in basically through through Twitter. And also at the time, you know, that's a, a relatively common thing now, but this was 2011. And so I was like, no, at the time it was like, oh, he's the guy who they hired through Twitter, singular. The one guy like, oh yeah, he's the one, like it was this new thing that had never happened before. They found <laughs> this guy on Twitter. Um, so, the, so that just gives you an idea of kind of the way things have changed, I guess. But in 2011, it was this hot, new, crazy idea that you could f find someone on, on online and, and bring them in, I guess. Yeah. Cause I've been speaking to a lot of, um, like independent animators who work on like YouTube cartoons. That's how all of them get found mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. So yeah, but that's about 10 years ago. So that's crazy. Well, yeah, like when we were staffing OKKO, you know, it was it was a, it was a large mix of different types of people who we brought in. Some of them were friends, some of them were people we knew from the industry, and then some of them were just people who we were fans of who we saw their work online. So that that's a very common thing now. Wow. And so when I was in elementary school, regular show was my all time favorite show. Um, but so can I ask how I guess go into more of your experience working on the show? Sure. I mean, I started, uh, you know, on season three and I was a huge fan of the show. So I came in like, as I, I was like, a, I was like the first like fanboy nerd they hired on the show to like be on the show. And so for all of season three, uh, well, basically I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was incredibly difficult uh, to, to learn the voice of the show and how to draw the show. It was kind of an uphill battle. Um, but everyone was really, really generous, uh, with their time and, 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 and with teaching me and, and, and giving me a chance to kind of find my way on the show. And so, you know, JG told me, he was like, I was like, man, how, how, 
what is this going to become easier? Like, when am I going to really feel like I know what I'm doing? And he's like, you know, in my experience, uh, the, the 11th episode is when you when you know what you're doing. And I was just like, 11. But next thing I knew it was 11. And I did. I did feel I felt great. By the, it was about early season four. Uh, it was the episodes TGI Tuesday and a bunch of full grown geese. Mm-hmm. I really felt like I was starting to hit my stride with me, me and my board partner, Kelvin, just kind of knocking out really, really funny episodes and not like dying to do it, like really just feeling like feeling natural and good. And, 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 and so that was season four. And I left the show at the end of season seven. So I did about 40 episodes. Uh, if I'm counting the movie as an episode, I did about 40 episodes on the show, you know, all the way through um, all those seasons. And it was just a great job. Like once I kind of got my footing there, it was a really, really fun experience. You know, you get these outlines and you, uh, and you, you kind of, uh, once you know the voice of the show, you have, you have a, to a degree carte blanche to just make the funniest, best thing you can. Mm-hmm. And once JG kind of got to know each person's sensibility, they had a lot of flexibility to go in and do the kinds of jokes and, and do changes and do, do twists and turns that they want to do. And so I got to do so many really fun episodes. And so I was, I was with Kelvin until Kelvin Wong, uh, uh, he was my board partner and taught me a lot. Uh, and we, we were a team until I want to say mid season, season five. And then after that, uh, I became board partners with my friend, Owen Dennis. Um, and so him and I worked together for a couple seasons as well. And, uh, it was just a, it, the show, you know, it had, it had its ups and downs, uh, with like, uh, you know, di- different episodes and stuff as far as just like, there were times where I was just like, oh man, I'm not in the mood for a muscle man episode right now. Ugh. But it's like, looking back, it's just like, man, what a great job. Uh, and most of the time it was just, it was just a lot of, a lot of fun to, to do. And this, and you know, the team really kind of grew together and there was a lot of camaraderie and, uh, and, you know, there were certain episodes like, um, the dome experiment special, that 22 minute where it was just me, uh, Minty, Ryan, and, and Owen just sitting there and just trying to make each other laugh, you know, just, just, just having the freedom to just do crazy stuff and, and have a good time and then going on really long lunches in between. <laughs> is, is regular show a storyboard driven show? Yes, it's, it's a board driven show. So it's, it's not scripted. It's, um, you know, we would get like three page outlines basically mm-hmm. and kind of go from there as board artists. Was there a writer's room or like where it's like the writer's room is just like a storyboard process? Like would we put post-it sticky notes on the wall? Like, is that the- um, there, Well, there was kind of both. So there was a writer's room, which was usually JG and then the people who ran the show with him, you know, the su- supervising director, supervising producer. So like the top- two to three people on the show, and then a handful of writers uh, also, that would be kind of the writer's room. And they would meet every single day and generate the stories and the outlines that we'd work from. So, uh, and we were never, the board artists were, were never in that room. It was always, it was always JG in the, in the top, you know, creatives, and then a couple of writers uh, all generating those outlines. And so then we would get these outlines sight unseen uh, as board artists and we'd know nothing about them. We'd, it was, sometimes we'd like sneak a peek looking at the printer and being like, oh, so what kind of episodes are they are coming up? <laughs> or, or they would like tease us with something. Mm-hmm. But usually we'd get, you know, on Monday after we handed an episode, the next Monday we'd get an, a three-page outline. We had no idea what to expect. And then from there, there was the additional writing process of you and your board partner would then write the episode off of the outline that the writer's room came up with. Um, and then when you pitch that, you pitch the first pass of that with the drawings to um, JG 
and the supervising director, supervising producer, and the writers. And then, then there's an additional kind of collaborative process from there where they kind of give you notes on the jokes you did. Uh, they tell you which ones weren't funny, which ones were funny. Uh, and then they'd pitch on new jokes. And so there was the solid writer's room for the outlines. And then there was the additional kind of collaborative writer's rooms of sorts uh, when you're pitching the storyboard. And also miniature, miniature writer's room in a way of you and your board partner coming together to write the episode in the, uh, in the first place as well. And do you have any favorite episodes or any favorite moments or memories from working on it? Um, man, I mean, I was on the show for about five years and it was, it was mostly just an excellent time. Uh, my favorite episodes, the aforementioned TGI Tuesday and a bunch of full grown geese, dome experiment special, uh, brilliant century duck crisis special. And then the last one that I worked on, which was really fun, was the end of season seven, which was Rigby's graduation day special, uh, which was like very emotional for me because I was like about to go uh, work on OKKO. OK I was about to leave yeah. this, you know, because on a regular show, like that was a very popular show and it was a really interesting experience that the first show I worked on was a show that was like a household name. And so it was a show where like I would get um, offers to like work on other projects uh, and, and I would occasionally like do some freelance, but I would never, I never left. Like I would get offers, but I was kind of like, you know, I'm happy here now. I'm happy doing this. I'm going to kind of do this now. Cause I'm, cause I'm happy. I'm not going to leave, yeah. but I eventually, I eventually did leave to go work on OKKO with my friend Ian. And, um, that was a very like emotional thing. Like I remember like finishing that last episode and it was this big, big dramatic emotional episode where Rigby graduates and really just feeling like, wow, this is like me saying goodbye and, and all of that. And then the final day, like looking around, just being like, I can't believe I'm leaving this. Uh, like it was, it was kind of crazy. It was like a real um, graduation. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like having that meeting where I like knocked on JG's door. I'm like, JG, I have to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go be a, I'm going to go be a producer on KO. And he's like, I know it's okay. <laughs> Cause you know, I have, I have JG to thank for everything. You know, huh. he was the one who, who took the risk of bringing me in, in the first place. So how did working on OKKO uh, differ from working on a regular show? Well, for me, it was extremely, extremely different because I went from being a writer board artist to a, um, to a showrunner. you know, I was number two to Ian on that show. And so him and I kind of were collaborators on running just about everything in that show from beginning to end. So, um, and he brought me on to develop uh, after the pilot. So I was, a, you know, him and I were friends and I was a big fan of the pilot and he brought me on to kind of help figure out how it could be a series. And so it was a couple of years of working with Ian on the side while I was working on regular show and AJ, uh, helping to kind of figure out how to get the show picked up uh, into a series. And so, but once it was picked up, basically it was me and Ian overseeing virtually every step of the process. So we would be in the writer's room being like, what kinds of stories do we want to tell right now? What is the show about? What, what, what episodes are we going to write right now? Overseeing the outlines, overseeing the board artists who are, who are, who are doing the, uh, the writing and the boarding, and then doing the animatics, voice, voice acting, doing everything all the way to the end of the production. You know? So it was a major difference uh, from being a writer and board artist to overseeing the entire production. I'd gotten a little practice doing that on my pilot, uh, but it was still a major, major learning curve, but also like a tremendously satisfying experience. Were you on OKKO for the entirety of the show then? I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, except for the pilot. Yeah. I came on um, in, I think it was 2014 was when Ian came to me and he was like, Hey, can you help me out? Like figuring out what to do with OKKO. And then it got greenlit finally. And uh, you know, I think I want to say like, year and a half later or something like that. And then, yeah, I was on the show all the way till the last day of production. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't 
leave. I couldn't do it. I was, it, I was so, you know, it was, it, I was so emotionally invested. It was, you know, the project was so important to me that I was, I was like, I'm staying here all the way, all the way till the end. Um, it was very sad. Uh, but it was also really cool to see this project from its infancy go all the way through, you know, 112 episodes and then being there until the very, very last day. And was it also interesting, I guess, because those are two different eras of Cartoon Network, was there any, I guess, was that a component in the difference as well? Or not really? Uh, what do you mean by a uh, different era? Like, I guess, like the era of regular show and Adventure Time being like huge, and then those shows ended, so then now it's time for like OKKO, OK and then I guess like Steven Universe. And yeah. During that time. I don't know if well, that played a component, but. Well, I see what you mean. It, it is a thing where it's like, there was the swell of cool cartoons that came out with Adventure Time and Regular Show, and that that led to the additional, you know, um, Steven Universe, Uncle Grandpa, Clarence, etc. And then definitely when OKKO OK got picked up, it was kind of a transitional era where they were kind of like trying to figure out what was going to be next. And it was still kind of going from the swell of those original shows, and we're still, you know, creatively, we're still kind of of a piece with those shows because so much of the staff comes from those projects, but. The network was definitely in a position where they were, I think, still figuring out, like, what is what are we looking for for our next thing, you know? And even early on, I could tell that there were some differences happening because, you know, OKKO, that we were told, oh, it's a Y7 show. You know, OK, uh, regular show, Adventure Time, Steven Universe, Uncle Grandpa, they were all PG shows, but they were like, this is a, this is a Y7 show. We want this, we want that. And also, um, you know, the shows that got picked up around the same time as KO were Mighty Magiswords, Powerpuff Girls 2016 and OKKO. So you can see that they were like trying to, they were still figuring out like Mighty Magiswords and KO had something in common, which is we did a lot of like extra material that was not the show. You know, Mighty Magiswords had all of its app integration and a lot of shorts. And then we did some shorts and we did a bunch of video games. So it was kind of an experimental time, I would say for for Cartoon Network where they were still deciding, I think what, how how they were going to like, move things forward after the initial swell of, of those those first handful of shows. But it's like, I don't know if OKKO represents the end of that era or the beginning of another era, or yeah. maybe it's kind of stuck in, maybe part of the problem was it was kind of stuck in between, you know? And can I also ask about AJ's Infinite Summer and how your experience was like creating your own show? Sure, uh, yeah, so AJ's Infinite Summer was just a thing where, um, Basically, uh, it was early. It was actually pretty early in my experience at, at Cartoon Network. You know, I think it was 2012. I'd only been there for a year or so. And I was just seeing like the animatics and storyboards that uh, the Ian and Rebecca and Benton and, and, and my friends were making in the Cartoon Network shorts program. And I was seeing the stuff they were making. And I was like, I kind of recognized at that moment. I was like, Cartoon Network is making really interesting, cool stuff right now. And they're making these cool, weird shorts. And this is a window that may close one day. And so I was like, even though I am not especially experienced to make a show uh, yet, I'm, I've only been boarding for, for maybe a year, I want to try and get in this window because the kind of cool, weird stuff that I want to make, they might not want to make it in another year. So I, so I decided to come in and just be like, hey, here's, here's what I want to do. It's called AJ's Infinite Summer. And um, they passed on it. They said, no, they were like, no, thanks. Uh, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, fine. But then I, they, they had had some of my comics that I actually had handed off to them. And they realized, they saw the comics and they were like, oh, 
they got a better idea of kind of what my sensibility was from reading those. And they were like, okay, actually let's do some AJ. Let's do, let's do it. Let's develop AJ. And the process at the time of doing, doing development and shorts at Cartoon Network was a very stripped down and fast process. You basically would come to them with the stuff uh, that would give you some, some super, uh, uh, you know, thoughtful, quick feedback, not too many notes and, and just kind of push you forward. And so I went through the basic stuff of, I gave them the concept idea and then i showed them an outline, did a storyboard. And then once they saw the storyboard, uh, is when the short got greenlit. Um, so they greenlit the short, which is one of the coolest things that ever, ever happened. And so I got to, for the first time experience producing uh, a cartoon, this was before OKKO. And so, um, I went through the whole process of bringing on artists, voice actors, and going through the whole deal. It was just a really fun, cool thing to do. Uh, I had a lot of creative freedom on the project. Um, and it definitely came from a, uh, an inexperienced brain, but that's kind of like why it's good because I wasn't overthinking things. Yeah, I wasn't overthinking that the story needed to be totally make sense or that everything needed to be logical. I was just kind of making something off instinct. And you can definitely see that when you watch it, which I think is part of the charm of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, so from there, uh, the short was completed and I developed it with Cartoon Network a couple different ways. Like we did a couple more boards. And I think one of them is one of them is on YouTube. That we did a couple more boards for episodes as a test. They passed on that version. They came back to me and they asked me to try developing it as an adult show for TBS. And I did that for a little while. And that ended up getting passed on too. And for now, it's just like in limbo. You know, it's one of those things where it's like Cartoon Network owns it, but I can take it to other places. And I would still love to make uh, make that show. Yeah. I'm, really pr- I'm really proud of it, but that's kind of where it stands right now. Did you return to it? I don't know if I saw this on Tumblr, but did you return to it during the pandemic? Like a bit? Um, I did not return to the, to the cartoon in, 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 in the pandemic, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> and then I, I don't know what I thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I'm always returning to it in that it's like a passion project that I'm yeah, always yeah, thinking yeah. about. And I've also, I've pitched it a number of different places uh, over, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm not working on the cartoon now. I'd love to, hey. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to do it. It's, it's, it's a project that I really, really love. Yeah. No, but that thing you said about like overthinking, I think that that's a beneficial thing to keep in mind for any creatives. Like that can get in the way. 100%. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, I, th- I think that um, working off of instinct is something that uh, it's, it's a weird skill of its own, mm-hmm. but also like at the time, you know, I, 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 I was grateful to have a situation where I, where I was not pushed, I was not forced to, to, to overthink it. I was just a situation where I presented something that was like a weird uh, idea. That was something that was a, a, a strange kind of unconventional thing. And I was told, go for it. Let's just do that. And, and I would have loved to have heard to become a series, but the short still stands. And that, that's great. It does seem like you're very proud of it right now where it is. So that's awesome to hear. And before we leave, do you have any final pieces of advice for future animators? Um, hmm. I would just say, uh, this is something that I say a lot when it comes to comedy. This is, this is about comedy. This is about jokes, uh, which is just that yes is funnier than no. Uh, if you're ever doing a writing comedy, it's funnier to have something weird happen and then have everyone agree and think that's cool and just move on than to have people go, weird what's that about <laughs> it's better just to have funny things happen uh, and be funny that's probably not the kind of advice you were hoping for but uh that's just no. the first thing that came to mind <laughs> i 
I, I love all the advice I get from every guest. I, I get a wide variety, so it's awesome to hear. It's not just the same, you know, thing like, mm -hmm. oh, we got to do this and that. Yeah, it, it, it's great to have that variety. So, well, thank you, Toby. And are there any, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm Toby Toby Jones on, on most social media. You can get me on on Twitter where I don't tweet very much and on Instagram where I occasionally post Oreo reviews. <laughs> and uh, that's where uh, whenever any of the stuff that I'm working on now ever comes into public existence, that's where you'll, where you'll see that stuff. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And thank you listeners for listening to Destination Animation. I am your host, Hannah Howell from KP with KPC Radio, signing off.